everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of Bali. I'm Carolyn April. And as always, I'm looking for my good buddy out there, Seth Robinson. Seth? Hey, what's up? I don't know. Um, the fall leaves are raining here in New Hampshire, so it's quite lovely. Um, the day's a little dark today, so I'll have to get my weather report. But, um, but we are in full... Uh, Gold, red, you know, orange, beautiful New England colors. Uh, it's a great time of the year. So, kind of boosts. It, it feels, uh, you know, like the season has changed and everyone's kind of uh, through a lot of the angst that they were feeling, I think, in the spring and summer. That, that seems to be the vibe that I'm getting that, like, we lived through the spring you know, we made it through the summer and, you know, now it's going to get cold again, whatever, but we, we kind of have our arms wrapped around, you know, the whole pandemic or the situation, whatever, and it might not be ideal, but we're moving forward. I, I feel like people are trying to take positive steps. Well, as it gets colder, I think people are going to be indoors more so that um, the whole lockdown and staying inside and, and being in your little bubble that we've been going through is very hard during the spring and summer months because those are the, you know, go out, do stuff. And so perhaps it'll be a little easier, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, I think we're going to be wrestling with, with uh, this particular situation for a while now, but yeah yeah it's, positive uh, thoughts positive thoughts yeah but right. otherwise but otherwise good football's happening so that makes me happy well yeah i was gonna say you know it's it's october and we've got 16 teams in the baseball playoffs we actually have the nba finals happening we've got presidential debates going completely off the rails but there's one <laughs> thing that's constant and uh that's Cybersecurity month you know here we are in october and it's always national are. Cybersecurity awareness month and uh we have a new piece of cybersecurity research that we wanted to talk about. And we wanted to bring in a guest to do that. As October is cybersecurity month, October is also typically the month of James Stanger. I'm sure he is very, very busy this month because he is CompTIA's resident expert on cybersecurity, along with being our chief technology evangelist. And he has agreed to join us today. So James, how are you doing? <laughs> Great, man. How about you? Good, good. So are you... Are you super busy this month? It's, yeah, it's been uh, pretty wild. It's been kind of, uh, I think what October 1st started about five in the morning for me here in the, in the Pacific time zone and it, and it hasn't stopped yet. And I don't anticipate it stopping throughout the, the month and even into November. So it's all good. I've been, I've been talking to people from uh, India to uh, the UK to uh, here in the States. So uh, it's a good time. Very cool. Uh, I mean, there, there's certainly no shortage of topics to talk about. I think that we've kind of been saying for the past few years that, you know, cybersecurity might not be the, the shiniest topic out there. You know, we've got all of our emerging technologies, but I, I, I think right. it's the biggest one. It's the one that everyone wants to come back to. I mean, every year we, we kind of cycle through the different trends that we might do research on, but we always do security every single year. So sure. there's, there's no getting away from it. There's an evergreen nature to it, that's for sure. And then with the whole COVID thing, uh, unrest, et cetera, that certainly uh, made it relevant again. I also think there's a lot, of, a lot of innovations that have been happening, a lot of kind of realizations, I think, that have been happening that kind of keeps it evergreen as well. So. Yeah, so why don't, we, why don't we jump in there and start with the, the new research, which we've yeah. rebranded this year to be State of Cybersecurity. And I think we're just going to stick with that moving forward and try to keep a closer eye on, on trends as they 
as they change year over year, rather than always attacking a different angle of it. And because we rebranded it this year, we started with a very high level question, which was kind of as, as you look out across the industry, how do you think cybersecurity is going? And I would say that people came with, with a pretty positive answer there. And, and I think that you've got all of these factors that you're talking about. You've got all the new stuff. There are all these new threats. You've got COVID happening, whatever. But the, when I look at the data, it feels like people are saying, even though this is a complex topic, we're beginning to make progress with it. We're beginning to wrap our arms around it. Would you say that that kind of reflects what you see when you're talking to people? Yeah, yeah. I think what you see is uh, an interest in, for example, a lot of organizations, I think cybersecurity is kind of growing up in a sense in a couple of ways. I think the first thing is, is uh, uh, security is kind of becoming uh, more of a data-oriented or information-oriented thing rather than just a techie, geeky-oriented thing. Meaning uh, you have an interest in things like uh, GRC, you know, governance and risk management and compliance, uh, as opposed to, well, what's the latest, you know, cybersecurity tool out there? And you also have organizations that now are very serious about getting into, you can call it digital operations, you can call it uh, digital transformation, you call it what you want. But they're really <laughs> looking to, to use these technologies in a, in a very uh, aggressive way. And that also means that you've got to secure those things properly. Yeah, I think what I've seen is, um, well, obviously, cybersecurity is going to be a perennial issue forever. And mm-hmm. you'll always be in, a, be in a situation where uh, the good guys are trying to catch up with the bad guys. But what I see from the business of technology point of view is that Security used to be its own separate bucket, and Seth and I have talked yeah. about this a lot. It was as like that. It was all you know that you did security. That was one thing off to the side, like a silo, and that it no longer can be considered that way. It is. It is an umbrella that has to be over everything else that you do within your organization, from a technology standpoint and from a human psychology standpoint as yeah. well. And we see that in a lot of the research that we've done on the channel side of things is that, you know, people in the the managed services space, for instance, um, security is not just about some of those very lower level table stakes things that you have to do like AV and firewalls and all of that, which should just be basic and built in. But now customers are expecting, you know, cybersecurity has to um, go into some of those areas you just mentioned. I mean, it has to be around some sophistication around compliance and audits and, and, and really has to be part and parcel of everything that you do, even if that's not your niche specialty as a, as a person who sells technology, you mm-hmm. still have to have skill sets around that. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, the bad guys love silos of various types. And, and usually when people talk about silos, they'll talk about, well, that's because the IT department, the people responsible for providing the services is not talking to the cybersecurity folks who are responsible for securing them. That's usually the standard kind of cliche even kind of approach. And I think what's been happening over the years is that uh, as as an interest in being, you know, compliant to whatever standard or compliant to whatever business practice. And you can start talking about PCI, you know, for credit cards, right? That standard or, or NIST CSF or, or, you know, CCPA in California or GDPR, all those things. You're now talking about silos of uh, business and uh, people talking to the tech people, right? And you bring in the end users, 
which is kind of another silo because end users, they see IT people and cybersecurity people as a, something completely separate from them. They shouldn't, but they do. Bad guys love all those silos. And, and I think what you're going to see, what you're seeing more and more is a combining and, a, you know, we're all in this together kind of approach, uh, at least in the best of situations. Yeah, along those lines, James, with, with Carolyn mentioning businesses in the IT channel that are starting to specialize more in security and yeah. and thinking about, you know, their clients and, and end users of, of all different sizes, I think one thing that we seem to be seeing in the data is that there's hardly anyone out there today that feels like they can staff up or bring in internally all of the resources that they would want to attack all of these different silos or aspects of security, right. that instead it's becoming uh, a pretty large security chain. Most companies, regardless of what size they are, are working with outside firms, usually right. multiple outside firms, in order yeah. to get some of that specialization. Is that what you're seeing as well, that, that these security teams are, are growing and it's becoming kind of a, a management challenge to organize and orchestrate all of the different parts to create a comprehensive security posture. It really has to do with uh, people, teams. Uh, and, and it's interesting, large companies to small companies are all, have all been saying, look, I get the concept of a security operations center. I get the concept of, of all of the, the, the specializations that we're talking about, you know, really getting deep into uh, into sessions by sessions i mean getting uh, deep into understanding you know zero trust or what it means to normalize data and do all the correlation i get it but yeah we can't afford that gosh i, I was talking to a, a some folks uh, a very large isp i'll say in japan for example and they were like we have to outsource because we're not in that business we're not in that specialization so they just go out and they go to some sort of msp you know back in the day it was the small company that can't afford a sock or can't afford all this fancy stuff so they would outsource it. increasingly we see larger companies doing that as well yeah and it comes down to um you've got to specialize in certain areas you have to specialize to do extended detection and response of of uh, of sessions, you know, normal sessions like you and I are are making right now, or as we log into CompTIA or whatever, there needs to be deeper inspection and correlation of those things because that's where the bad guys are attacking us. Uh, and yet, you know, we can't. No, very few companies can afford their own specialized team. I was talking to a large retailer uh, not too long ago about cyber threat intelligence, yet another specialty. And, and they were talking about, I mean, there's a huge, you know, retailer. They've only got a few people on their team that do that because they outsource it. So uh, yeah, uh, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, so. so I'm, I'm curious, James, since you're the expert here, um, you know, what do you see as, as having been the biggest change in the way that companies are approaching security, cybersecurity in particular, uh, over the last, you know, couple of years, like it, it would have been the big sort of earth shakers that have happened um, in a good way, maybe in a bad way as well. Oh, you know, it's a tough one. It's a tough one because there, there's so many uh, little, you know, uh, interesting little changes. First of all, uh, there's been a real interest in privacy and understanding uh, that and, and uh, realizing that the relationship between cybersecurity and privacy, that cybersecurity enables or <laughs> doesn't enable privacy. In other words, your stance how well you've been doing on the security side, how well or does it, uh, does it allow your company to say, yeah, we are really protecting people's, you know, PII or protecting our, our crown jewels, et cetera, as opposed to not. So I think that's uh, 
one of the big changes. Um, I think the other interesting change is more and more cybersecurity folks are being seen as kind of information folks. There's a data science element that's entering into that. That's, a, a, I think, a, a, another interesting change. Another one, um, AI more and more is being used uh, and being found inside, not only just us protecting AI implementations, but uh, using it as part of a cybersecurity solution. So I think those are some pretty big changes. So James, you mentioned zero trust a few minutes ago, and mm -hmm. I touched on that in the report, yeah. but I, I think that that's something that we're going to be talking about quite a bit more over the next year. In, in the report, in the study that we did, only 22% of the companies that we surveyed said that they were currently following a zero trust methodology or a zero trust framework. Right. But the way that I framed it up there is we, we finally have found something that, that is the, the new mindset paradigm that we can shift to now that we don't have secure perimeters. So I think the old mindset used to be yeah. secure perimeter. I'm gonna build this wall, everything important goes inside and all of my effort goes into the wall. And over, over the past few years, I feel like we've talked about how that secure perimeter is uh, inadequate yeah. and all of the new things that you have to do. So there are these new technology things, there are new process pieces, there are new education for the workforce that you have to do. But I think all of that has kind of felt like we're just building this laundry list. Like, you know, we've, we've got this mindset and then here are all these things you have to do. And I feel like zero trust is maybe going to become the new mindset, the new lens that you're looking at when you decide all of these things. And then everything that you're doing kind of makes sense in that zero trust approach. Uh, so can you describe zero trust maybe just a little bit more and then talk yeah. about how you're seeing it play out? Sure. The whole idea behind zero trust is it takes out this assumption that whenever you make any sort of connection, there's, an, there's always been an assumption, well, they're behind the firewall, so they'll be a little bit better off. Now that's been a critique and people have been critiquing that idea for decades now, right? But it, it, we're actually getting to a point where we can actually you know, get past it. Um, think of it when you, when you log in, when you first start up, your computer gets an IP address, right? From something called a DHCP server and your, your computer will connect to DNS servers and then to a domain server and all this. The assumption has been until really quite recently though, in spite of us realizing that you really can't trust any connection but the assumption has always been you you can because even if you're a bad guy you're going to get that ip address you're going to you're going to be able to even contact the login server imagine in a model where you actually have to prove your endpoint you have to prove your place of login even before you even begin to get the even the most basic of services so it basically is an inspection of the state of your computer at what point do we trust it or not trust it? When do we really figure out what its state is? And imagine if before you even get the most basic of services, that it basically an ins inspection happens of your system. Where is your system located? What time is it? What is the state of your endpoint, et cetera? And uh, then you have sessions that can be granted to you and everything. And that way, this whole inside-outside metaphor that has been used for decades, right, isn't even at play anymore. Uh, it really comes down to understanding the situation and the state of something rather than its location. So it kind of, you could argue that zero trust is kind of the uh, cybersecurity way of saying it doesn't matter uh, necessarily where you are, 
when you're working or, or what's that, that idea? Uh, uh, you're not necessarily at work. Uh, how does it go? Sorry, uh, suddenly I can't <laughs> work, say it. Work I, is not a place you go. It's a thing you do, right? Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Sorry, man. Yeah, that, it's that kind of thing. Uh, so you have that, that, that kind of rough analog, yeah. Particularly uh, germane to how we're operating today with everybody moving so quickly to remote working. Right. And they've had to go to remote computing in a sense. I mean, the cloud has seen obviously massive, even more massive adoption over, uh, you know, since March of 2020 because of, well, for fairly obvious reasons. And, and it's interesting to see that in some cases, organizations, even without quite realizing it, have been moving slowly to zero trust anyhow. They just don't quite realize it. So. Yeah. And I, I think that the way you described it there, like, that you don't have an inside outside that it's all over the place and you're taking mm -hmm. care of it. You know, the gut reaction is, well, that sounds like a lot of work. And that's the main reason why I think that this zero trust framework will become the new mindset for security yeah. because it is a lot of work. And I think companies, especially at the business level, you know, the, the executive level, they've struggled to understand the amount of work that's involved with modern security compared to what they used to do. You know, that the world has changed. And, and so now yeah. the more that they're starting to grasp that, the more they're starting to say, okay, I can't trust anything anywhere. And so the old thing that I was doing wasn't working. And so I have to do new things. I have to make new investments. I have to build new skills. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. Another way to even uh, crystallize it even further is in the situation that we're in, the way that we are using computing today, whether it be IoT, the cloud, all of those things, and remote workers, right? That's a, a new thing as of 20, you know, March 2020 for a lot of companies. You have a situation that you're thrust into and you're either, well, we can recreate the perimeter. You know, we can go back and do that. And then we kind of realized not only is it even a lot more work than moving to some sort of zero trust model, it's not even all that capable if we were to do something like that, unless you spend a ton of money. So going with that new model kind of makes uh, that zero trust kind of approach makes a lot more sense. So I want to toss in the idea of privacy here, James. Yeah. Um, you know, we talk about zero trust. Uh, we talk about, we have for eons now talked about that, you know, one of the biggest liabilities from a security perspective is it, it are, are not the bad actors on the outside, but they're human nature employees making all the mistakes. And then, and then you brought up the point of like, you know, how data is so involved in this. So if we're going to be hyper vigilant about watching what everybody's doing and every, everybody's devices and you name it on the network mm -hmm. and at what point, you know, do the issues of cybersecurity and then the considerations of privacy for people intersect and then how do we manage that? Sure, I think one of the first things is, is that uh, organizations are very interested uh, as organizations more and more become data organizations or info organizations. It's like, well, uh, a, a company that heretofore uh, was in, responsible for providing electricity, well actually they're gathering a ton of data about people's usage and things like that. That becomes PII. If you guys know what I'm trying to say, or, or a company that was a hard disk company. Well, more and more, they're gathering tons of data about usage, or we could talk about cable companies or, or what, whatever sector you can think of. They are becoming more and more information companies. So how do they protect that? That's why you have so much more interest in security monitoring. That's why I have so much more interest in visualizing what the bad guys are doing so that you can keep that information private 
so that you can say to your customers, yeah, we, we are gathering data, but we have really good processes to make sure that data doesn't get out. Now, on the other side, what I think your question was a little bit more about if you were a, a company employee and all of this monitoring is going on, how does that violate my privacy? Is that how you were looking at it? Well, I think I, well, I think the way that you answered it in the first place um, was something that was on my mind. But yeah, I do think about individual employees and at what point, where, where does security versus privacy, where, where, where do they cross the line? Yeah, you know, uh, one of the first things is usually <laughs> in most organizations, if you're using company equipment, company stuff, then there's really no particular expectation of right. that. Right. And then, uh, and it used to be, well, within the firewall, I better mind my P's and Q's, but outside the firewall, you know, I mean, when I drove into work and didn't drive into work, you get the idea that has been turned on its head, uh, it, not even turned on its head. It's just kind of been exploded. And so I think there's going to be a, some readjustment and I'm not, it's not my place to say whether it's good or bad for companies to, to be doing that kind of monitoring, but I think there's going to have to be some major readjustment moving forward in people's thinking about what is uh, private, what is not. Because right, uh, one of the things that people are talking about, you know, ad infinitum is, yeah, we've got a lot of people who are now working, or at least for a while, that were working using their family PC to connect in one way or the other, whether it be through an old VPN or through more modern methods to the uh, uh, company network. And so now you're having a mingling of the private and the public world, aren't we? Yes. Or, or the private and the, I should say, corporate world. Whether, whether that corporate be a nonprofit like us or a government thing, but th there's that, that mingling there. Um, I, th there's no definitive answer for any of that other than people defaulting to privacy is important or privacy is not important, right? <laughs> there's a lot to be thought about and said there. And, and with this, uh, ev the event that we've been you know, dealing with, with for most of the year, we're still just, just barely kind of going, yeah, we can actually do business now. And that consideration has not been top of mind. I think it will be. Yeah, the last thing that I would say about that is, you know, you, you mentioned that this default is kind of, you know, privacy is good. But I, I think that the more we get into this, the more complex we understand that even even that concept to be just like all of security that yeah. people say, well, I want privacy, but then I also want these data driven services and products. Yeah. And I, I think we we're going to go through a period of like really reckoning with what exactly does it mean to be a digital society and, and how, what does privacy look like? Because it's not just black and white. Um, so I, I think that that's something that, that we'll have to well, grapple with here, but James, a, we really appreciated having you uh, today. It's, it's been a great discussion. Uh, what else do you have coming up this month? Where else can people find you? Any, any webinars or videos or? Yeah, but, uh, there are uh, quite a few that are going on. We've got a series of webinars. For example, I'll be talking to a guy named Chris Cochran. He's a uh, uh, died on the wolf threat hunter. And Chris is going to be talking about, if you want to get onto my team, what kind of skills do you need? We'll be doing that uh, mid-October uh, in the, uh, oh golly, there's uh, the EMEA conference is uh, virtual this year. Uh, uh, you know, usually uh, I'll be heading to London with various folks. And so I've been uh, doing panels with people there. Uh, and so you can check out the EMEA conference coming up. Uh, on the B2C side, we've got some really cool uh, sessions uh, going on between us and uh, various cybersecurity thought leaders having to do with what security monitoring means today and incident response and things. So uh, you can go to comptia.org and check out. Uh, I mean, there must be 
whether I'm moderating things or presenting things, there must be a good dozen uh, or more uh, kinds of events I'm involved with. So it's, it's going to be really a fun month. Busy month. Yeah, it's I'm curious when it was designated Cybersecurity Month, October. But when did that start? It was it's kind of along the line of uh, you know <laughs> all those days, you know, like like International uh, Dutch Oven Cooking Day and all those <laughs> things. You know, when did that start for October? And why October? You know, the only October I remember is a, that was special was Rocktober, all the classic rock stations, right? Get it? Yeah. Um, psh, you know. Yeah, I, you know, everyone wants to uh, say that all these holidays are made up because Hallmark, you know, is trying to sell yeah. greeting cards, but I don't think we can pin this one on Hallmark. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Well, we'd have to go after some major security vendor for that one, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, James, it was so great to have you. Um, it's nice. You've been, you've been a, 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 a guest, a more than once. So, you know, you're in that rare group that we've had of multiple guests. So um, we hope to have you again. Well, thanks, man. It's, it's great to be the, what, the Steve Martin or something or other of Saturday Night Live. Bring, yeah, bring, Steve bring, Martin, bring Paul Simon, you know. They're, yeah, they, all those guys. Yeah. <laughs> dating ourselves here, but. Oh, sorry about that. Well, uh, James, good luck with the rest of the month. Sounds okay. like a busy one. And uh, hopefully we'll have you on again pretty soon. Uh, let's keep talking. Take care, guys. All right. Bye-bye.